With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I'm Charlie Herman, host of Business Insider's podcast brought to you by about the brands you know and the stories you don't. I've been a business reporter and editor for more than 15 years. And over that time, I've had the chance to interview the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, as well as entrepreneurs just starting out. And a question I keep coming back to when I talk to them is, how do you do it? How do you take an idea and turn it into a multi-million dollar business? Well, to try and find out, I want to introduce you to a new series from Business Insider called Starting Up. It's a live interview series for Business Insider subscribers with the founders behind some of the biggest startups today. We were eight people when we started building Slack. We say that we're trying to be the most iconic company in music history. This next decade is going to be the golden age for fintech. Each month, you'll hear from founders who are reimagining business and creating new ones. They'll talk about how and why they built the companies they did, what hurdles they faced along the way, and some of the lessons they can share with us about making your ideas a reality. Today, I want to share some highlights with you from three recent conversations. If you are not already using it to talk to your coworkers, you're at least familiar with it. Slack. It's become one of the most popular communication platforms used in offices worldwide. I know my Slack usage has gone through the roof since the start of this current era of work from home. But more than 10 years ago, when Cal Henderson and his co-founders first tried to convince other companies to give Slack a try, it wasn't so easy. We didn't have a really crystallized way of talking about what we saw of, as the benefits. Um, when you're talking about a kind of new product category, we weren't saying this is a better version of X that you're already using. We're saying like this is a different way that you can communicate. And we think that this is going to be what communication looks like for you in the workplace in the future. We positioned it as a way of, um, you know, getting off email and uh, and sending less email to your immediate team. We learned so much just, you know, like in the first day of of another company using it. All of these assumptions that we had about how small teams and small organizations work that was true for us, but that wasn't true for anybody else. There were lots of bits of UI in the product that worked great for teams of eight and worked terrible for teams of 20 or teams of 30. One of the big advantages that we had in the category that we're in is that we're building a product that we use every day. So to some extent, we really understand the customer because the first customer was us. You spend a lot of time using your product. um, And so you find a lot of the rough edges. That is, I think, a a big advantage early on, but uh, kind of pivots into being a disadvantage later where you start to get customers who look less and less like you and you're still fixated on solving your kind of own use case. So it is an accelerant to begin with, but then kind of blinders later on. 
Henderson and his co-founders at Slack wanted to offer a new way for coworkers to communicate with one another. What they couldn't have anticipated was how the pandemic would force people to rethink exactly that. For those of us fortunate to be able to work from home, these past few months have been unsettling for some, and at the same time, eye-opening for others. It's an opportunity to find innovative solutions to how we work. Steve Martosi is the founder of Splice, the music production platform, and before that, the messaging app GroupMe. He believes this moment could be great for innovators who want to build the next big thing. Yeah, so like right now, it's going to be the people who are solving their problem, right? I think that the the limitations of Zoom, what the struggles are with that, how do we do stuff better, how do we create more of a, uh, a, a maybe a less exhausting experience, if you will, like these are the moments when you have real adversity kind of showing up that the the passion driven problem solving you know people are going to get creative i mean how many out of work engineers or out of work uh you know talented people there are that that know that software is the thing to go go into right now and so you know i think that people are looking for i mean if you're out there facing the problem have a solution and have the, the means to just get started. I think the bar for experimentation right now with unique and novel solutions to the struggles that we're facing in this, you know, more remote driven future, there's probably a good amount of, of, of capital, early stage capital available for it. The market's huge and like, you know, make sure you've got the team together um, and, uh, and get experimented. But if you identify those gaps in technology or inefficiencies in the marketplace, how do you turn those insights into a successful company? That's what Malin Meharry did after the 2008 recession when he founded Yield Street, a wealth management platform. Coming out of the last crisis in 2008-2009, I looked at my portfolio and it was down 40 to 50% after the great, uh, uh, Great Recession. And uh, I had two reactions. One was anger towards Wall Street because, you know, me and my wife, Meda, are pretty prudent consumers. We had a 401k plan, 529, stocks and bonds. And here we are left holding the bag with our portfolio saved over 10 years, down 50%. The other reaction I had was uh, more of a typical entrepreneur, which is I realized two things. I don't have access to products away from the stock market and products that generate a passive income for me. So like any prudent consumer would do, I went to my financial advisor and I said, hey, what is private equity? What are these you know, asset-based investments? Can I invest in real estate that can generate passive income for me? Can I invest with somebody that allows you to do that? And he started laughing. He said, at your investment account size? No. Generally, you require you know, seven-figure money and you should be prepared to lock up that money for seven to 10 years because there are no such investments. They're highly illiquid. So that was my kind of first idea of like, hey, why is this not available? Uh, Because everybody should have this as part of the mix. A couple of things happened in the subsequent years. One was Jobs Act was passed that made more uh, investors eligible to invest because it reduced the accredited investor definition. Also, you could market these products uh, broadly using the internet. Uh, which you could not do before before Jobs Act. There was a a, a real uh, wave of fintechs. So think of companies like SoFi and AngelList and Lending Club and Betterment and Wealthfront, and all of them were taking uh, a different view of build, you know bringing different type of uh, either lending or investing products uh, directly to the consumers. And uh, that's when I thought that you know wow this idea could uh, really have legs. I didn't really have 
investment or financial services experience. So that's really where my uh, co-founder, Michael Weiss, comes into picture. On the other side, I had the tech background of building a brand, uh, acquiring consumers, and uh, really the operations of building a platform. So we really had complementary skill set. And, uh, you know, we looked at the market at that time and nobody was really trying to, you know, build an investment platform that could aggregate alternative investments across a bunch of different asset classes, not just focused on real estate or not just focused on art or things like that. And bring it uh, in a very simple, easy to use manner to the consumer that could interact with the platform and, uh, you know, get themselves on a path towards financial uh, independence and financial freedom. Next week, I'll talk with Tracy Sun, whose own experiences with startups can be a helpful guide for anyone looking to start their own business. After one startup failed during the 2008 recession, Sun went on to co-found Poshmark, now a multi-million dollar social platform that lets people buy and sell clothing. How did she go from a pre-med student to senior vice president of new markets at her own company? Subscribe to Business Insider to listen to our live conversation. It's happening next Tuesday, July 28th at 4 p.m. Eastern. To find out where, just click on the link in this episode description or go to bit.ly forward slash this is success. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash this is success. And if you've got a question you want me to ask Tracy Sun, send an email to me at audio at businessinsider.com. And if there's a founder of a successful company that you want to hear from, and it doesn't have to be a tech company, let me know that too. Again, the email is audio at businessinsider.com. Thanks for listening.